When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's tell the good people about waterways travel and realwatersports.com. Yeah, well, shoot, you know what? Um, there's a massive hurricane, Fiona, on the East Coast headed up towards Nova Scotia and Canada. And there's some little islands up there that I know Sean and the guys at Waterways could dial me into the right spaces to surf, the right little nooks and crannies. And frankly, that area has been, a, it's been on my radar for a while. Perfect little peely old man right points. How's the water temp? It's cold. No, actually, <laughs> this time of year, you know, it can be like 62 or 64, you know? Oh, not bad. Yeah. Well, you may find yourself there because I was talking to those guys yesterday and they're like, hey, we got to get you guys on a surf trip. How's the fourth quarter looking for you? And I've got a couple of things, important things in this fourth quarter. And I'm like, I'll tell you what. Talk to me in 2023. I'm fully, I'm, it's actually a necessity for me in 2023 because this year has been a lockdown with the baby, but Scott Bass may be available after the boardroom show. And I think he generally takes a little trip after that anyways to decompress. Yeah, I'm absolutely down for fourth quarter and 2023. I'd like to go, I'd like to take one last trip to Indonesia before I get too old. Yeah. Yeah. But well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to them. I'll negotiate, see what they can do. Um, yeah. So obviously waterwaystravel.com, premier surf travel concierge, mm-hmm. but for every budget, not just luxury. Yeah. Um, they've been around since 1994. So many of the surf spots that you've probably been fawning over for the last 20 and 30 years were kind of pioneered and developed uh, for tourism by them. So um fulfilled like a lot of the magazine trips from back in the day a lot of the pro surfers organized a lot of those trips so there's no reason to go anywhere else waterwaystravel.com and then for surfboards gear board bags traction leashes all of that stuff realwatersports.com is your one-stop shop yeah and as i recall i don't know if we mentioned this but they gave they had their big surfboard giveaway and they they chose a winner I know I didn't get their name. I didn't write it down for the notes. I didn't either, but I know it was a female. Did she, uh, (laughs) did she, did she say which, did she say which board she was getting? (laughs) I think she did. I apologize. I don't have to, I just know that they sent me the link and there was a super stoked surfer that got a brand new board from real water sports. And I was psyched for him. And um, I kind of don't recall which board they chose, but they got to choose any board they wanted. Well, good. This massive... is a teaser. This is a teaser for next week when we reveal the board that was selected last week. <laughs> okay. Well, that's fun. That's fun. Regardless, that's fun for, for the winner and for the people at Real Water Sports. Absolutely. They're doing great work. So realwatersports.com. As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. Uh, when it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit. 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 We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got it. Well, 
guy. Yeah, guy. Yeah, friggin' guy. Oh, my. It is Thursday. It's September 22nd, David. A little more than two weeks before the Boardroom International Surfboard Show presented by U.S. Blanks. It's all anybody's talking about. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of other stuff today for the show, for sure, including the WSL schedule, which I'm sure you've spoken about at length with Jazz on Beach on the Grit podcast. I I have not. This is virgin territory. Oh, wow. And we've also got... um, my doctor's chat that we can discuss. Wow, what does that mean? (laughs) We'll have to, that's a tease. That's what that is, that's a tease. Uh, But let's start off with the boardroom show presented by US Blanks. um, Because we started the show when we were talking about real water sports where we too are also giving away surfboards at the boardroom show. Now you may recall those those Pat Ross and 6'6 step ups that I have. I'm just gonna give those away. I'm just giving them away. And here's how I'm giving them away. One of them is going to be given away Saturday morning at the boardroom show. If you're one of the first 100 people to pay to get into the show, you will be in a, a chance drawing for one of those boards. That's you've got a one in 100 chance. Those are insane odds. All you have to do is be there early. We open the doors at 10 a.m. So if you're one of the first 100 people through the door paid, got to be a paid entrant you will um, immediately be entered and we'll just pull right out of a, a hat right there as soon as and we get one. What is the ticket cost to get in? It's $15, I believe. It might be 20 bucks. Um, it's 15 or 20 bucks to get in. I think it's 20 bucks to get in. A pittance. <clears throat> and then um, the same on Sunday. So if you're one of the first 100 people paid through the door Sunday morning, uh, we have another board we're giving away. So we're giving away two boards that way. And we're also and doing, so yeah, go ahead. With, within once that 100th person comes through, are you just going to pull the hat, the name out of a hat at that point and then announce yeah. it over the loudspeaker? Yeah, you'll be given a little card. Put your name okay. down, put your name down on a on the card, drop it Got into it. the thing, pull it out. Boom. We'll make it simple and quick and easy. And you're walking out of there with a brand new uh, Pat Ross and contemporary killer state of the art six six winter step up. It's a killer board. And it's um, it's the blank that was shaped last year. So it's not glassed, correct? No, it's fully glassed. It's fully. Oh, glassed. you already glassed them. Wax and go. You're oh, ready dang. to go. Although there won't be any fins. But I mean, this is a friggin' $1,200 surfboard, in my opinion. Totally. totally. And um, it'll be one of the ones that was shaped by either, um, you know, uh, Timmy Patterson or Chris Christensen. Um, one of those boards. So okay. we're giving Amazing. away one Saturday morning for the first 100 through the door paid and one Sunday morning for the first 100 people through the door. Now, the shapers for the icons of foam shape off the draw has been created. And we've got some interesting uh, matchups, if you will, for the icons of foam shape off and of course this year we're honoring timmy patterson and uh i don't know if you saw the the matchups i'm going to pull them up here real quick if you don't mind i don't mind at all i did see them and what we have uh at 10 a.m on saturday is and i'm pulling them up i'm trying to pull them up here we go uh saturday morning at 10 a.m david 
Matt Kinoshita, Kazuma Surfboards versus Silvio Tico from Brazil. And then at noon, Tim Stamps is in a man-on-man heat against Jason Bennett from Chemistry Surfboards. And then at 2 p.m., Alex Lopez, Jerry Lopez's son, shapes against Rick Rock from San Clemente. And then at 4 p.m. on Saturday, it's Robert Weiner from Robert's Surfboards against Tokuda-san, our Japanese champion. So we've got a full lineup Saturday of uh, heats. And I'll tell you what, it's it's exciting. People are getting excited. I, I know on Instagram, there's been a lot of excitement about the uh, matchups that we put out there. And, you know. It's, it's also kind of a new mix of names and faces. Absolutely. You absolutely hit the... Uh, the nail on the head there. That's the one thing that I noticed too, is that we've got um, a new crew of shapers. It's not just like some of the um, standby names that we often see. You know how people often ask me, how do I get to be in the shape off? And the answer is, I don't have anything to do with it. It's up to the honoree to pick. And in the past, a lot of the honorees have picked some of the same people over and over. And frankly, as yeah. an event producer, I cringed a little bit. I'm like, oh, God. I mean, I love these guys. Some of these guys are my best friends. And I'll tell them to their face, I'd rather have some new blood in this thing than the same old guys. And yeah. we do have new blood this year. So I'm excited about that. And um, and we've got some really good international blood, right? Tokuda-san from Japan and Silvio Tico from Brazil. And uh, Silvio Tico? He is a shaper from Brazil. Silver Surfboards is okay. his is his surfboard brand. And again, I don't know anything about him. He was chosen by by Timmy Patterson. I and wonder if does he make Pattersons down in Brazil for Timmy? Yes, he does. He makes Pattersons down in Brazil. He's the licensee. Well, that's there. an that's a distinct advantage, I would say. I would consider that an advantage myself. You know, which is why it makes it interesting. Um, I will say this, though, I've been speaking with Timmy at length and the boards that Timmy has chosen, these are not your average surfboards. These are going to be difficult boards to shape. And, you know, look, I will say this. I just think that being able to hand shape a surfboard is important. Like, and I will also say that I bet 99.9% of my boards are computer-shaped surfboards, and they all work insane. Yeah, they're super good. Sort I'm not saying that they're, that's not um, – in fact, that is the viable option for the future. But I do think that if you're building boards on a computer, you should also be able to translate those boards and build those boards with your hands, however you do that, um, if that means – cutting them out with a saw and just going at it with a hand plane, that's fine. But on some level, you should be able to craft what it is that you've uh, manipulated on the computer screen. You should be able to craft that with your hands. I just think that's important. Again, am I wrong there? Do you think that that's wrong? Do you think that um, it's okay for uh, a surfboard designer to not be able to build a board with his hands? I don't have any moral opposition to it. I think it is quote, okay. But I think that you'd be a much, you'd understand the medium a lot better if you actually uh, know how to use the hand tools to achieve kind of the final vision. The the machine is limited in what it can do. And um, so no, 
having a vision of what you want the final kind of sculpture to be, you absolutely have to use your hands. And so uh, knowing the tools, learning the tools, being able to achieve your vision, but then being able to implement the machine to kind of eliminate your or uh, prevent you from wasting all your time using those tools that are very time consuming yeah. is a big help. That's an added tool. But you also need to still be able to achieve your vision, you know, that the machine can't kind of fine tune. So, yeah, you should absolutely know the tools. It's probably probably best to enter the craft using the hand tools and understanding it and kind of feeling every part of the process. You know, I feel like with food, there's probably an, an analogy there. And if you spend time uh, on the farm, understanding the cycles of the season, understanding how things grow and how they taste different based on how they grow, you're going to be a lot more adept in the kitchen at making that food. Yeah. And, and I think there's a sort of a functional art vibe too, that I get like, like you're crafting what could be considered art, but it's also functional, like out in the water, you can use this tool, you know, like I often think about like paint by numbers. Why don't we just paint by numbers? You know, could Monet paint by numbers? No, probably not, no. you know? And so well, that's a great example. I think that is analogous, which is if you paint by numbers, you would get a presentable painting probably 99% of the time, but you would never get the Monet. Right. And so that's kind of where if boards just came off the machine, they'd be fully functional. Surfers would ride them and say, these are good. They work. Hydrodynamic design is all in. The principles are all in place. They all work. But you would never get the, quote, magic surfboard, probably, you know, and you would probably never also get um, innovation, innovation at the rate that we get it, like, because mistakes happen when you're not using the machine, the reverse V is probably the best example of that, you know, and right. I'm sure there's tons of others, but that's the most public example. So yeah, you wouldn't have Monet. Wow. Without hand shaping, we wouldn't have Monet. I'm glad we got to the bottom of this, David. But regardless, well, yeah. Uh, I was going to say also about your lineup of shapers. Um, Jason Bennett, I think, just celebrated 25 years at chemistry since yeah. he started chemistry. So that's pretty yeah. epic. I, I think a of party. Him, yeah, I think of them as being young. You know? <laughs> I know. It's an indicator of my own age. I, I know. Um, Alex Lopez, of course, Jerry Lopez's son, from what I follow and watch, does not do a lot of uh, boards that look like Timmy Patterson's boards. So I think this could be an interesting challenge for him. Um, Tim Stamps, Matt Kaneshita, they do a lot of pointy thrusters. They've also been around for at least 25 years, I would say. Robert Weiner, same thing. So this is a legit lineup. Yeah, it's interesting. When you look at these names, you say, okay, who's going to be uh, in the final four out of these eight? And then of those, you know, who moves on? And, you know, you got it. My gut is that look, Rick Rock has grown up in the, in the ghetto at San Clemente, right? Where Timmy Patterson and Randy Slay and Matt Biolas and, all of those guys, you know, Herbie Fletch, like the, the list is long of, of salty surfboard shapers from that zone right there, what they call the ghetto. And so Rick Rock to me is kind of like, I look at him and I go, I would not be surprised if he's in the final two. And he's totally. not a name that everyone knows. Like he's kind of just an under the radar, like kind of a production guy, you know? It's got the coolest name of the bunch though. 
He does. Do you think that's his real last name? <laughs> I need to uh, ask if, him. That's a great question. If he was a rapper, I would say no, that's a stage name. But considering his line of profession and he's under the radar, I think it is. I do too. And if you saw him, you'd just be like, like he doesn't, he doesn't look like a Rick Frost. He doesn't look like right. somebody that would be parading around pronouncing himself. Exactly. You know I mean? Um and then well, you know, Robert Weiner, you mentioned that guy's an insane. They're all great shapers, but it's just going to be, I mean, if I was to ask you to pick one, who's your winner, you know, who would you choose? Oh gosh. I uh, could be Kenoshita. I mean, I wouldn't, it's a tough, this is interesting is, is there anywhere to wager? There needs to be. There really needs to be. Cause like Tico would be like, uh, nobody even knows who Tico is. All the money would be on other people, but he could sneaky sneakily be the best one because of his you know background um but kenoshita i mean stamps could win it jason can win it robert could win it any of them it's really a tough one well the uh, the other sort of curveball in all of this is that yeah these guys are all great shapers but have you ever been in a fishbowl with hundreds of people staring at you and so right. technique and how you go about the shaping process is interesting. You know, you when I look at this list, I know Matt Kinoshita has been in the shape off before. I believe Tim Stamps has been as well. Yeah, he has. And Jason Bennett has. So these yeah. three have been in the fishbowl before because that's important because there's this, you know, concept that, hey, my tools aren't where they normally are. And who are all these people looking at me? And oh, my the God, lighting. I didn't expect this kind of pressure. And now I've only got an hour and a half and whoa, what's the surfboard? I don't, you know, so the idea that, yeah, guys can build really great pointy nose surfboards is one thing, but can they do it with, you know, a thousand dollars on the line and all this other, you know, fun stuff. We'll see. One other, I was just on your Instagram and I noticed one Darren Hanley DHD surfboards says, how do I get a seat at this table next year? Can Darren get an invite? I would love for, are you kidding? I would be psyched if Darren, fr frankly, he needs to be a guy that we honor at some point. I mean, there are so many guys. And that's the other thing. I get stuff on Instagram, like, what about this guy? What about that guy? You know, it's like, hey, yeah, okay, I get it. You know, like I can only do one guy a year, you know? Yeah. And there are many that are worthy that simply aren't ever going to have a chance just because I don't have, there's not enough time in the day to do them all. There's more kind of uh, impressive shapers coming up every year than there are a number of boardroom shows every year. But mark my words, uh, Darren Hanley is going to get an invite somehow or another, you know, to be in the shape off. We would love for him to, to be a part of it for sure. He, I love him as a personality and a character. He's really great. Yeah. And frankly, Greg Weber, like when we look at yeah. you know, Greg Weber is a guy that, could should be on like there's so many guys that should be honored and i always look to australia like you know what we do a lot of californians as you know david i try to mix it up i try to do like a hawaiian i try to do a californian then i try to do an australian and i should probably look beyond those three regions and and start to pick you know well you are you got right now you've got japan and brazil so that's i mean guys that we honor though like the guy that oh we yeah, honor, yeah, yeah you know yeah because greg weber and Darren Hanley and frankly, Jason Stevenson, like those guys all deserve at some level to probably be honored. And then there's a million guys that, that like I said, it's just hard, you know, it's hard yeah. to pick.
well, it's fun. This looks good. And another comment that I saw said, a heck of a lot more interesting than the WSL's tour schedule announcement. What a segue. You are smooth operator. The WSL schedule. This is what I've learned about the new schedule, David. Maybe do you want to announce what the schedule is? Do you have that in front of you? Yeah, sure. Um, we're going to start at Pipeline, go to Sunset, just like last year, uh, this year, and then Portugal, Bells Beach, Margaret River. Then we have the mid-season cut. So it goes from 36 men to 18. I'm sorry. Yeah, 36 men down to 24, 18 women down to 12. Then we go to the middle of California, Surf Ranch Pro, then down to El Salvador, then the J-Bay, or I'm sorry, Brazil, then J-Bay, then Tahiti. That's the end of the season. Uh, and then we're doing finals day once again at Lower Trestles. So a little bit of shifting in the dates and the um, uh, sequence of the events. But importantly, G-Land is gone. It's been replaced by Lower Trestles. And uh, the cut is obviously after Margaret River. So that's kind of important. G-Land was replaced by the Surf Ranch Pro. Is that what I said? No, you said Lower Trestles. My mistake. Sorry. So Here's what I've learned is that apparently the WSL can't be a growing business on its way to breaking even and penciling out as a legitimate business without staging a lot of events at average waves, which means that the waves are in fact not the stars and not the most important component of uh, how the WSL sets their schedule. From a, from a fan's point of view, David, of course, um, I personally feel like we could get rid of the first three events after the cut, the Surf Ranch Pro, El Salvador, and Brazil. And frankly, I think we could probably get rid of Portugal as well and um, you know, replace them with any number of world-class surfing waves. But I do also understand that from a business standpoint, I think that there's like a 10 year plan here and they're like, we've got to build the business to a place where then we can turn on the dream tour again. I don't agree with that. I'm just saying, I think that that's their vision is they have this like, you know, multi-year plan to get to a place where they can turn it on. And I, I'm just assuming that part of it. I don't even know if that's, that's what I was I'm yeah, that's what I was going to ask. But, but that's kind of me reading between the tea leaves when I interviewed Eric Logan was that I sensed that they were trying to get to a place where they could then. But again, that's just me hoping of hope. And I don't have five years of hope left in me. I want to see G-Land this year. I cannot believe they're not going to G-Land. That's, that's a Travis Sham mockery of the highest order, David. Um, see, I think you are imposing too much optimism. They've shown... From what I can see, I've never heard Eric Logan state that he wants to run in the best waves in the world. Um, I've never seen them make any indications that they want that. So I don't think that's their 10-year plan. And let me ask you about the first thing that you said, which is you've learned that in order to run a viable business, they need to run at mediocre waves. Is that what, what do you mean by you've learned that? It, did somebody say that to you or are you just guessing that's... Well, why based they're on, doing it. Yeah. Based on what I'm seeing gotcha. on the schedule, I say to myself, they want to, they want to grow sponsorship in Europe. They want to keep sponsorship in Brazil. They want to keep sponsorship in Australia. They're, 
you know, like Portugal to me is like, okay, it's kind of an okay wave. It can be really good, just like a number of these waves, but it's not a spot where you go, hey, let's put the best surfers in the world in perfect waves. So Portugal to me is like, let's build the business. Let's keep the momentum going in Brazil. And frankly, if you're a surf business in Brazil, like if you're Pucas or you're a brand or you're like one of the board builders in, in South France, you're stoked on this. And you, this is good for your business. Like, this is good. The WSL is coming to our town, you know, and you're a surf business. You're stoked on that. Right. And I get that. And that's what I mean by they're going to these places because it's actually good for the surf industry to have the WSL show up at your spot. Now it's not good for you and me. I'm not necessarily going to watch. So maybe it's not good, but on the surface level, you're stoked that the world surf league is making a stop in your backyard. Same with I, Brazil. I don't know if that's even true, to be honest. Um, I got so many different thoughts. I'm going to try to corral them, but I'll start with that specific one. You know, what's even better than having the circus come to town for two weeks is elevating the circus itself to Cirque du Soleil. So to have P.T. Barnum show up, which, by the way, <laughs> is not far off from what is happening with the WSL and to maybe WWE is a better example of it. This is that where the WWE has these legitimate athletes, these guys and girls who are just hulking. They could they could be legitimate fighters and wrestlers or uh, MMA, but. There's this venue where you can just go out and do entertainment. And that's what this is becoming. This is becoming a farce. None of the pro surfers, I mean, John John clearly doesn't care about it. He's off getting barreled somewhere else. Gabriel could take a year off, no problem. Caroline Marks can miss events and go get barreled in Indo because that's better for her. Kelly, same goes. Like there's a smaller and smaller group of people who need the validation from this tour. There's a vaster number of people who can make a living off of it and actually enjoy their life more, probably earn more money and certainly surf better waves. There's just more ways to make a living doing that now than there's ever been before. So as the WSL keeps leaning into the circus thing, and by the way, you athletes also have to do the press conferences and you're also going to get mobbed when you go to dinner and you're going to possibly your life is going to be in threat when you're in Brazil. There's been kidnapping, shootings, all this stuff. So this is more and more of a circus WWE thing. And um, what, the point that you're making of, well, the circus is coming to down. So for these businesses locally, they're going to, I don't think they're going to get a ton of business. What are they going to sell a bunch of new surfboards for two weeks? They'd be a much, they'd be far better served if the arbiter of our sport put the best surfers in the best waves in the world and that became a showcase to all of humanity. Look at how insane this thing is. That'll stimulate more surfers globally and locally to then buy those surfboards to go to their local beach and do the thing. That would be a five-year plan. That would be a 10-year plan. Yeah, look, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying. I, I, I would love to see that as well. I just sense that that's not obviously the the road that they're on. I think that they're on a road to, I think that they look at it like, and I mean, Eric, and I could be wrong. I think he looks at it like, look, my boss needs to see this is how I'm going to do it. And right now, based on sponsorship that I'm getting, this is how I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm like, 
I'm not, and I'm speaking as if I'm Eric Logan, I'm not going to just go all in on this dream tour and hope it pulls it off. And right now on on paper in the spreadsheet, I don't see that happening and I won't have a job in a year. Now this way, I have a job for five years and I'm showing him how I think it's gonna work out and we're going to move through that process and get to that place. And if it doesn't work out, I don't have a job. That's fine. I did my best. And maybe there isn't a business here. But rolling the dice on the best surfers in the world in the best waves in the world and hoping that I get to a penciled out business, I'm not willing to do it this time. <clears throat> I, I don't I don't see Eric being there in five years anyways. I don't think his ambition was ever to be there for five years. Um, I think he can, all the statistical, quote, growth, that he can uh that he talks about he can use that and just leapfrog over into some streaming world which is by the way he came from production he tried production here he can use this on his resume and uh say that he turned it around because of the growth that he's talked about and then just go leapfrog and go work for amazon uh prime you know the video thing hulu youtube whatever it is he's got options and and he's not like, this isn't his retirement plan. Isn't this altruistic, you know, uh, philanthropy project like it is for Dirk. So I see, I see Eric is moving on. Um, but, uh, I've, I've never seen kind of a, we've talked about a lot, but with the announcement of this schedule and the endless negativity, it feels as if they're they're not reading the room. That's what it feels. Well, I've never seen a more kind of um, vitriol willing. No, no, no. Well, that too, but also from the WSL standpoint, a more willing ignorance of what your community and your core is telling you. And so the argument of, well, G land is logistically difficult and we rolled the dice this year and we failed. So we really got to kind of reassess where we place our bets. That's a that's their own failure. They failed to do that. Like if you can't figure out how to swell forecast, how to organize sponsors for this super unique, beautiful thing that everybody wants to do, you are failing drastically. Uh, and then and, how, how and then you... to and then and then just to say like, oh well, that success didn't make that uh, event didn't make money, and so we've got to go to one that does make money. No, it didn't make money because you guys failed to organize the details to make it a profitable event. It absolutely can make money. There are solutions here. You guys are just, you have the wrong focus. The focus, if you put the surfers in the best waves in the world, everybody wants a piece of that pie. By you constantly putting them in knee high waves around the world, that by the way, doesn't matter if it's Australia, Brazil, they all look the same. Huntington looks the same as that. It's like, now it's all homogenized. Nobody can tell the difference. Actually, nobody really wants a piece of that pie. And so now you're arguing for, we're going to see this 5%, 10% incremental growth that is still in the red. You know what I mean? Like yeah. until you put them at cloud break, n- nothing's going to change. Well, as you know, uh, or maybe you don't, but during our discussion, his, he had this three-pronged thing, right? Waves, athletes, and stakes, right? That was his thing. And you and I have been basically, you know, jumping up and down like angry toddlers for a long time saying, no, there's one thing that matters. That's waves. 
I don't care if you put Clay Marzo in it. In fact, I want Clay Marzo. Yeah, yeah. But look, you've got a bunch of great athletes. Let's put Ethan Ewan. Let's well, put all these. These guys are all great athletes. Let's put them in really good waves. The stakes will play. It will play out naturally. And absolutely. And by the way, the athletes will show up if the waves. You know, if you put them in great waves. Yeah. So waves solves those other two things. He, if you actually looked at and assessed the past or since Eric's been running the show, the waves are the third priority in that conversation. They're very interested in kind of highlighting the athletes, and they're certainly very interested in creating the stakes, which is why there's a finals day concept now. But you don't have to, quote, create any stakes. Dynamic surf creates all those other things. They posted an Instagram a couple of days ago, and it said, here's the 10 um, or whatever the however many 10 point rides from this year, what was the best one? Felipe Toledo's air in Brazil, uh, Griffin Colapinto's air in Portugal, Kyle Belli's 10 point ride on a right barrel in Brazil, and then Matt McGillivray's in Tahiti. There might've been one or two others. Without, I mean, just like with an overwhelming chorus in the comments it was matt mcgillivray's 10 in tahiti like there's no question that free fall crazy drop into a barreling reef over a sketchy shallow reef is by far the craziest ride of the year so i understand why they're trying to create engagement by posting that but if they don't understand the difference between matt mcgillivray's ride and griffin colapinto's air in portugal that says everything that you need to know and i would argue eric doesn't actually know the difference because when he was being interviewed uh, in Brazil and Caio Abelli got that, he happened to be being interviewed when Caio got that 10 or shortly thereafter. And he's like, look, people say the waves aren't good in Brazil, but look at this. I mean, this was insane. This is Caio's wave was insane. Caio's wave was insane for that venue. It totally was. And it was incredible to see, but that long barrel is nowhere near the same as the one in Tahiti. You know, like you could see a local hero out there, get that wave. Like there's just, there's no question the, and Kyle's super talented. He could also probably do that in Tahiti if he was given away the wave that Matt McGillivray was given. But in terms of like the premier cream of the crop, only a few people in the world can do this at this spot. That's reserved for Tahiti. That's reserved for pipe. That's reserved for cloud break waves like that. You could see any thousand, one of thousands of people get that wave that Kyle got in Brazil. You know what I mean? It's exciting only in the context of that event. It's not a world-class wave. That was not even a world-class ride. Exactly. So they don't, my point is he doesn't understand the distinction between those two things. To him, it's all the same. And so it's like, okay, well, we can run in Brazil because look at, he got a 10 point ride out there. It's like, no, dude, it's not apples to apples. There's an exchange rate and we're getting screwed on it. Yeah, I I just sense that this announcement was uh, was a big disappointment to many of us. You know, to see I don't even know how they peddle it anymore. Like to even put the public put that Instagram out there, it's like I don't even push back inside the building when they're just got when they're trying to everybody's out schedule. Everybody's out. Everybody who would give pushback who understands what that business actually needs to grow. They've left. The surf ranch, Brazil, Portugal, El Salvador. I would even argue 
And I would catch a little bit of grief from the Australian contingent that bells shouldn't be on the tour. Yeah, and that's Margaret a harder argument. Really, I know because and and I actually get the other side of it. I I I get the the historic component of bells is hard to it it, it it's a valid point. You know, the historic element of bells is it, it holds a lot of validity when you're making. I, I get it. Well. I, the one thing, I mean, we haven't even like really touched on it yet because it's almost not even worth arguing. Yeah. Surf Ranch Pro. Oh my God. How, how do they justify putting Surf Ranch back on? Kelly Slater himself, I've heard him say, we kind of understand now that it's boring and not a viable competition wave. Yeah. I've heard that too. Recently, like, you know, within yes. the last three months or something, I heard him say Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. How do, how do you justify crazy. that? And, and it like, even the uh, fact that it's not even sponsored, it's on the list as Surf Ranch Pro. There's no headline sponsor on that. So the only reason they're doing it is be, because they own it and because they can control the the forecast, basically. But it's yeah, like, man, it's a, this this is an indicator of a business that is circling the drain. It's like, well, let's pull out last week's invent or last year's inventory out of the back room and just put it on the shelf because we don't have cash to, to actually buy new product. It's like, we have a bunch of uh, medium pink t-shirts we need to sell. <laughs> Can we like get Kelly to go out there and say pink is in right now or get actually, some, okay. Kelly said, no. Can we get somebody Tati? Are you available? Go talk about how cool pink is. The color actually is orange. It's really hard to sell orange t-shirts. That's what I'm learned. not. I'm going to be amazed if they use an orange logo for surf ranch. <laughs> but what about lowers? I'm, I'm disappointed that they've chosen lowers as the finals of that. Well, look, um, that's not news. I don't think it was really public, but they have a three year, um, yeah. they had a three year contract at lowers. So we kind of knew that was coming. Yeah. Well, anyway, the schedule is disappointing and you're right. When I, when I put this on my list of things to discuss this morning, I was kind of like, ah, I don't even really want to talk about it. It's kind of depressing. Well, the fans may love to hear this, but I am considering a, um, like a, let's not talk about the WSL anymore, full stop. Like moving forward, I mean, I guess pipe and sunset, there will be things interesting, but by and large, a lot of this tour, it's like, do we have to talk about it? I'm not interested if I'm not going to be watching. I mean, even this past year, a lot of the events I barely watched. So I'll kind of research before we do our show, just so that we can kind of uh, deliver the news to our listeners. But at this point, I'm less and less interested. Well, I'll tell you what is news, David. I've got a talk in front of a convention of doctors coming up. They've asked me to give a talk on surfing past present and future and uh what are your thoughts on this what should i talk about well it's funny that you're asking me because when you originally announced this a month ago i asked you what's your approach and off the cuff you gave me highlights from each decade yeah that was like more thorough than I would have been if I had taken three days to research it. And so I think you're good. I think no, you I might am. be overthinking it. I am. I'm fine. I've actually, the, the biggest problem is the media behind it. I mean, it, there's, there's nothing worse than a talk about surfing without audiovisual aid. 
but I've got that covered too. So that when was are you doing the, it. It's um, October 1st, Saturday morning. They gave me the 7 a.m. <laughs> wake up call. What I really uh, discover, I need a good joke to start this thing off. I'll, I'll work on that for you. I was you. thinking, you know what? Friday night is a really, it's a really tough gig to follow. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, yeah, I will, I will consider a joke, but it's also not fair that you got to stack that in front of the boardroom show as if you don't have enough to plan for with that in the auction. I know, but, uh, this is, this is fine. I don't mind helping them out. And I've got, like I said, I've, it's a pretty simple discussion. It's good. Yeah. Um, um well, yeah. Were you, were you going to take a commercial break? Yes. It's about that time. It is. All right, we'll be back. Scott, I was out of town this last weekend, and you know what kept me in action? These travel packs right here of AG1. Hell to the yes, AG1 travel packs. I just got my care package in the mail, I want to say three or four days ago. And I was excited that it included not only my daily needs of AG1, but my travel packs as well. Super crucial. Uh, you got to have your AG1. I do. And um, my entire family partakes in the AG1 ritual, which is health, um, a simple way to get your greens and in an organic and, um, you know, conscious uh, manner. Yeah. I was worried about you. I was worried that your health was uh, starting to slip with all the stressors that you have coming up in the next few weeks. So I had to make sure that care package showed up in time. Thank you. Um, I'm going to read straight from the box right here. Yeah. AG1 is comprehensive and convenient daily nutrition with 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients made for just about everyone. Athleticgreens.com slash surf is our portal. You'll support us. You will support your optimal uh, wellness and immune system. Also says diet friendly. It's vegetarian, vegan, paleo, keto, low carb. There's no animal byproducts, no herbicides or pesticides, uh, no GMOs, no gluten, no dairy, no corn, no eggs, no peanuts, no lactose, no sucrose, no dextrose. Boom. Everything you need, nothing you don't. <laughs> Sweet. Athletic Greens, AG1. Every Athletic day. Greens. Athleticgreens.com slash surf. That's right. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. 
LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's LinkedInjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, you know what's happening, David, is the California Gold Surf Auction. It's time for me to pimp the auction. And one of the most amazing things is, look, as a guy that produces auctions, I'll tell you that getting a Pat Curran surfboard into the auction is very difficult. And you may ask, why, Scott? Why is that difficult? And I'll tell you, because there's not very many of them. They're super rare. They're hard to come by. And um, he's, you know, basically a Pat Curran's right up there when you that term holy grail gets overused a little bit in the auction surfboard world, but um, Pat Kern certainly, uh, Pat Kern surfboard is one of the holy grails, one of the um, most sought after and rare and unique and distinct surfboards in the collectible world. And we don't have just one, we have three. All from the same collector? <clears throat> no, three different collectors crazy three pat kerns on the auction block and they're all obviously different different types of boards they're not i wouldn't never i would never put the same exact board in the auction yeah incredible congratulations how do people uh bid and where do they go well the catalog is going to be put online published today so you'll be able to preview all 63 lots today later today i'll be publishing that and of course you can you can register bid and win as well and to answer your question you're going to go to auctions.thevintagesurfauctions.com that's plural auctions.thevintagesurfauctions.com or simply go to thevintagesurfauctions.com you'll be a link there to get you over to the auction site where you can register bid and win. And we've got some insane boards and we have contemporary boards too, you know, like by contemporary actors, such as Tom Kern, Andy Irons, uh, Mick Fanning. We've got boards from those three professionals, their personal riders, boards that they rode during competition and um, all sorts of cool boards from different eras, starting in uh, the twenties, all the way through to, recent times boards that are relevant historically significant culturally uh important so yeah we've got a bunch of cool boards for the california gold surf auction and uh how did your photo shoot go my photo shoot went okay a video shoot it went okay i got a lot of i got quite a few people listeners sending me advice on how to best do that and that was very helpful and i appreciate that yeah gotta love that yeah um Real quickly, the ISA World Championships are happen- happening right now in Huntington Beach. Uh, they got good waves two or three days ago. Yeah. Um, so if you're interested in following that at all, this is obviously nation states versus one another. Whoever wins gets a third surfer into the Olympics for 2024, which will be taking place in Tahiti. Um, 
so the story that you talked about, I think last week or the week prior was that Kelly Slate, uh, the other two surfers, by the way, they get entry into the Olympics come from the world championship tour. So the top two ranked athletes from a given nation have uh, access into the Olympics, which they did in the, the last time. But now whoever wins, whichever country wins in Huntington this week, will get a third person. And so you were talking about Kelly Slater could be surfing in the Olympics um, because if America, the USA wins, they can give that spot to him. They can give it to anybody they want, but very likely, especially that it's in Tahiti, they would give it to Kelly. So kind of interesting. It's very interesting. And I'm, I'm actively rooting for the USA, which I would normally do anyway, but just because we all want to see Kelly in the Olympics. I mean, that's, that would be the way for him to go out in style, win the gold medal at eight foot Chopu. Of course, if you're NBC, a producer there, you're going, give me Kelly Slater. This is the story that we all want as producers, as guys that need to tell stories. This is the story. We have a, whatever it is, 54 year old male that is frankly considered one of the best at this location. And uh, this is, this is the story to end all stories from an Olympic standpoint. It's interesting to um, kind of a side story that I've been following is just how much money is being spent by these nations to get uh, athletes primed and ready to compete at this level. Um, so that creates a super interesting dynamic, I think, and also an interesting draw for the athletes themselves. I think we're going to see a lot of engagement from top flight athletes. Um, this is an old story, but Peter Townsend is the Olympic or the head coach for China. So seeing Still? kind of, yeah. Oh, I thought maybe. Yeah. He, okay. Um, as far as I know. Hmm. All right. But did you read that recently somewhere? Yeah. I mean, I, I know it was originally announced probably five years ago, like 2017 or whatever, yeah. but I saw it referenced in an article this past week as well. So I presume that he still is. Okay. Um, but when you see, you know, people, obviously it's a, they offered him money to do that. And so when you see kind of these things being made, it makes it a lot more interesting to me. It feels more like a business actually. Um, but anyways, tracking those stories, we will, it's really hard actually to track. I went to their website and tried to watch some of the heats and uh, man, makes me appreciate that WSL stream that we often complain about. <laughs> well, I'll say this, and we spoke about this last last time, I believe, but real quick, I'll just say this again. The One of the quickest ways for the WSL to trim their the fat around their budget is get rid of all of the QS stuff and just yeah. let the ISA be the feeder organization into the championship tour. Yeah. And now all of a sudden we can afford to be in G-Land for an extra 10 days and pay the camps at upfront contingency fees, knowing that we may need to extend because of the swell. Totally. Um, the part that makes it hard to follow is like the repercharge heats. Like I don't understand the format of the event. I could probably figure it out if I just spent a little bit of time looking into it. But when you pull up the heats, you're like trying to find scores and there's just this endless list of repercharge sheets. It's like, it's confusing. Yeah. Yeah. They could, they could probably simplify it for the user some, yeah. uh, but at any rate, we'll let you know who wins that next week. Um, 
the electric acid surfboard test is also in my notes. Yeah. Episode episode three this week with Matt Parker and Matt Parker from Album Surfboards and Joe Falcone from New York. And then um, the highly anticipated final pairing of Hayden and Peter Schroff. Yeah, you know, Matt Parker's probably the nicest guy in the surf world. He's he's an incredible shaper and his boards look awesome. I've never, I don't know if I've ever ridden one of his boards. I've wanted to. Um, he makes some really cool like step up six six kind of pintail boards um i think one's called the ledge maybe yeah um good looking surfboard and he's got such a great aesthetic so that was fun uh joe falcone certainly a character and really a, seemed like an interesting cool guy and um and, and what a great you know they've done such a good job at stab of mixing these two different types of people you know um i couldn't get a read on joe falcone like, I don't know anything about his, like, based on the way that they presented him, the edit that they presented, like, I couldn't get a read on how um, talented he is as a shaper, what types of boards that he makes. I follow him on Instagram, so I've seen it there, but it was like, I don't know. I just, I couldn't get a read on him. And Matt, Matt is so clear-eyed. He's so focused. He's so precise. So he's communicating. It seemed like they made basically a Matt Parker surfboard, an album surfboard. And they then asked Matt, what are your thoughts on Joe? And he was very complimentary. He's like, yeah, Joe added something to the rails that I wouldn't have thought of or that I wouldn't have done. And uh, clearly Joe knows how to use the hand tools. You could see how comfortable he was with those things. But that was kind of all that was said about Joe's shaping and not a lot was shown about Joe's shaping. So I left without a real clear understanding on what he's doing, you know, in terms of board building. Um, well, I don't know if you saw this or not, but they showed in the episode that Joe slept at album surfboards. I didn't see this. Do you know why he slept at album surfboards? I'm just assuming he's broke. I don't know. Well, Stab, Stab, of course, would take care of your travel. And so Stab actually had a certain uh, amount of money allocated for Joe's travel, for his airfare and his hotel. Joe opted instead of using that hotel money for a hotel to rent the nicest BMW that the rental place had. You're kidding. No, I swear. And he showed up. I didn't see this in the episode. This was not in the episode. The only thing they showed in the episode was him sleeping an album. They didn't explain why. And so Joe showed up for this electric acid surfboard test in his super like tricked out BMW. And they're like, what? <laughs> He's like, I just took the money from the hotel and put it into this instead. Do you have a place for me to stay? Why didn't they put that? They should have put that in the edit. I know. They really should have. That's interesting. Well, Joe, Joe also has a um, ruler tattooed on his forearm. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> which is funny, except I'm thinking, what if you grow? You know what I mean? Like your arm. <laughs> Presumably, your arm will shift slightly over the years, uh, thicker, longer, shorter. I don't know, but I just don't think it stays the same forever. So that you might have to make an adjustment to that roller, but it's funny, nevertheless. Yeah, he, he's an interesting character, and it seems as if he kind of flies by the seat of his pants a little bit, and um, and that's that's always fun. I thought it was an interesting collab. I mean, the board, 
the board looked a little bit problematic. Um, but I, I, I don't think that, I don't know. I'm confused. Like Mick Fanning is great at what he's doing. He's a great communicator. He's a great surfer, all those, but it's not Mick Fanning that I have a problem with. It's, it's why take a surfer like Mick Fanning and like a Mikey February is a better, you know what I mean? Like a better surfer for this electric surfboard acid test. Like, because Mick's trying to adapt this real high performance, super next level contemporary surfing style to these boards that aren't simply made for that. Like, right. why make a 7-2 twin fin and tell him to, to go try to bust the fins out off the, you know, you know what I'm saying? So, like, maybe I'm well, not the, conveying what I'm trying to get across. No, you I'm are. Just, you are. But I think the problem here was that uh, Stab as part of the design of the program assigned a board length to each of these paired shapers. So Biolis and Donnie Brink had to make a five, three, uh, Matt Parker and Joe Falcone had to make a seven O. And so I think they were gifted or they were given the most difficult challenge. You know, Mick isn't going to pick the seven O almost no matter how magic it is. Cause it doesn't right, suit which is like then why surfing. do it right that's my point i know so i think they could have why even assign yeah. lengths you know just just let these collaborations of shapers design whatever they want i think exactly. that would have been the better yeah better the, but the problem with that is probably what you'll end up with is this sort of eventually everyone will go just make them a killer 510 you know that's fine trifin, you know what i mean that's fine that's well, what they, you, i mean if mix the guy then that's yeah. what he wants yeah, but that then that turns into the other thing that they do rather than the electric acid surfboard test, which is to put together all these different types of boards. I mean, if we're all just going to get contemporary trifins, then we've just got stab in the dark 2.0 or whatever. I think that'd be more interesting. I mean, because I agree. I, I, I question why. That's why I have a problem with Mick being the guy, although I get that he's a great surfer and a great communicator. Yeah, but and you know, those waves lend themselves to surfing in a contemporary high performance fashion as well. So I, I don't know, there was just a little bit of a disconnect there, I think. Yeah. Um, I think with these shapers that they selected, none of them would have pumped out a pointy thruster. They might've pumped out a couple thrusters. I think there'd be twin fins. So I think that not giving them a length assignment would have netted very, very interesting surfboards that weren't pointy thrusters that Mick would have actually because when you watch he would learn on you know when you watch mick ride that five three you could see he's kind of new he's feeling new sensations he's kind of learning and so um i think that would have been a more successful but everything's clearer with hindsight yeah and there are some tremendous successes here now let's talk about um hayden and Shroff. this is to me was almost the focus of this entire experiment was like, let's just try to get these two people in a room together and collaborate on something. And they saved it for last and they advertised it every week. Like, Hey, keep watching. Cause we're going to give you what you want to see. And it turned out to be the least interesting pairing of all. Totally they, agree. they totally built agree. the, they built the entire segment around this feud that happened years ago. And these two guys hashing out the feud and very little of it was kind of focused on what their thoughts are uh, regarding board design 
and then the collaboration of the board design. And even part of it was about the art that's on the surfboard rather than the design of the surfboard itself. They weren't in the same room together. So they were operating remotely in California and Australia. So that really lessened the tension. That was was a problem. That was a big problem. That was where they failed. And I know, I guess there was COVID or something. I don't know why, but the, 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 the high point of that moment of this collaboration is when they actually meet eye to eye and shake hands. That's the money shot from an edit standpoint. And you just never saw that. Instead, it was, it just, it just didn't, it didn't hit. It, it yeah. missed, misfired. Well, they, they kept the theme on them hashing out their beef, but it's like, if you're not, like you said, if you're not going to do it in person, then kind of, it's not that interesting. And the success of all the other pairings was two shapers discussing design ideas and trying to kind of impose their design idea over the other one. And there was very little of that, almost none of that in this. And so it just became, felt felt like uh, superficial is what but it felt the, like. The flip side of that is that the board looked like it worked pretty damn good. Mick really liked the board. I, I thought that uh, the board was surprising. Because when you yeah. look at it, you're like, oh, my God, there's too much curve in that thing. And I don't know, you know. But yeah, I don't think it's going to win. Um, it did look. Mick had got a couple great. of good waves on it. I yeah, it surfed it pretty damn good. Yeah. What are your um, what are your thoughts on Peter Schroff? I think he's a really interesting guy. I think that, um, you know, I think his I think he deserves a lot of credit for sort of going to bat for what he feels was a disservice to, you know, the, the domestic surfboard manufacturing um, industry here. Yeah. And, um, and I think what he did was really cool and unique. And he, he, he put a spotlight on some stuff that needed to be discussed. Um, but I think the last two years of, of COVID surfboard production will tell you that people here in California and around the world couldn't keep up. We couldn't even keep up. We couldn't make enough boards. And that's probably a byproduct of, of COVID and a bunch of people sitting on a bunch of money. Um, and now actually, as I understand it, the surf industry is slowing down a little bit, surfboard manufacturing. But, um, you know, I think Peter Schrapp's a very interesting guy. And there's been some chatter on my Instagram about including him in the and the icons of foam shape off as one of the guys that gets in there and cuts foam. And um, I'm not sure if he's more of uh, an artist now uh, or uh, if he's still shaping surfboards full time. I'm not sure where he's at in his head. Well, yeah. He said at the beginning of that interview that he's retired. Yeah. So I guess he's not, but he could probably, if he's, you know, that talent doesn't go away. So he could probably still jump in and uh, compete in the icons of foam. Um, I've always had mixed feelings about Peter, you know, I don't know his surfboards very well, to be honest. Um, or I certainly haven't seen any of them in the last decade. And so I can't weigh in on that, but the role that he plays in the surf world, I've, uh, waffled back and forth on, and I love a good rabble rouser as much as anybody, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, especially if they have moral conviction yeah. And they're like upsetting the, the, the narrative or the norm or whatever, like I'm all for the rabble rousing, but 
when you kind of when you watch the pomp and circumstance in the show, that's really entertaining and fun for me. And I want to see like what the point, the art, the point of the art is that he's making. I'm all in. But then when you hear him actually try to articulate the nuance of it, it all falls apart. Like it actually just gets kind of sad hearing him talk about it. And he also admitted that he got a lot of flack that actually damaged his business out of that whole hate and assault. And so when you see him contrite and regrettable, like feeling regret and remorse, it really takes the wind out of the sails of the rabble rousing. It's like, dude, (laughs) you should still be flying the flag. And the fact that you're sitting down now with your head hung low is totally sad to me and makes me feel like, geez, did you have, or do you have the conviction that you thought you did? Um, cause if you don't, it's harder for me to believe in the message. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, you're right. And it kind of speaks to, you know, this is why artists create art and don't give talks. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You know, let the art speak and just sit in the background. And if somebody wants you to explain it, don't, you should never have to explain your art. Right. It speaks for itself or it should yeah. speak for itself, you know? And it did and, for a long time. I mean, it, it certainly started the conversation. And that we, other people were able to have that. He exactly. Have to exactly. Yeah. He just kind of like lit the fire and got to stand back. And then everyone started jumping on everybody, Kelly and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, Asia and domestic, yeah. sort, you know, shipping and blah, blah, blah. And this much carbon footprint. And blah. You know, I mean, it went all sorts of different ways. Yeah. Um, they also used a clip throughout everything leading up to this episode. They opened the trailers with him Peter saying, you know, if everybody's having an orgy, do you want to be over here masturbating in the corner? (laughs) No, you want to join the orgy, you know? And again, it's like, it's a sensational quote. And you're like, gosh, who is this guy? Rabble rouser. I'm interested. What's he got to say? And then as I kind of thought about it, I'm like, you're the guy who has been masturbating in the corner. (laughs) Like you're saying I presumably that was his answer to the question of, Hey, why do you want to come join the electric acid surfboard test? And presumably that was his answer is, Hey, you know, of course you want to join the origin, but the role that he's played in the surf world for the last decade or two is he was the dude in the corner masturbating. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So again, it's kind of like, it's just, funny. just do the art, make the quote and back of it. Don't talk anymore because yeah. Ah, the more I think about this, the harder I have standing yeah. behind you, waving your flag. Well, I agree with you that, that surfing and surf culture has always been, you know, the web of our culture has, has been consisted of these characters that are just incredible, you know, and the list is endless and they're all fun, you know, on some level, you know, from, from, you know, guard Chapin in the thirties to through to Mickey Dora and tube steak. And, you know, all of these guys, McTavish and Greeno, and, you know, the list is endless of, of, you know, the Al Chapman's, the Dick Brewers, just these characters that um, make up this wicked web of surf culture. And Peter's one of those guys. And so I applaud him for being, you know, just, Surfing has always sort of been this kind of outlawish kind of 
rabble rouser, as you mentioned. And I, like I, like you said, you know, the more of those guys, the better, as long as it's sincere and not a, not a show. Yeah. I, I fully love him as a character and I love having him in in the, you know, in the culture um, and even in this series, but you know, I don't know that I would want to necessarily hang or, no. invite him over to my birthday oh, party or no. whatever <laughs> um uh but it also interestingly hayden also very endearing you know yeah. like hayden for whatever criticisms have been leveled at him i think he did a great job of clearing that up with a very um without engaging in kind of the mud slinging of any of it or even rolling around in the mud of it he just said, Hey, you know, I thought Peter's art was really interesting. And, uh, he had a mock-up of my board, like a replica of my board that he was cutting kind of implying or saying that wasn't his own board. It was a board that Peter made to look like his board. And also saying we do tons of production here in Australia. So we're not just outsourcing. And I let the, let the surfboards speak for themselves. Yeah. And you're right. You know, and I'll tell you what, that poor guy <clears throat> caught a lot of grief and, and 90% of it unfair, a lot of it personal attacks and, and it's just the sad state of social media and, and what the internet has created here in the last 20 years. It's just, there's just a lot of uh, inhumanity, you know, yeah. and it's not cool, but it is what it is and it's going to continue. And, Frankly, that's why a lot of people are kind of over social media. It's just, it's at some point, it's not, it's not only not endearing, it, you don't learn anything. Yeah. By the way, I'm reading a great book. I want you to read it, or at least I'm going to say you should read it, which means you won't. It's kind of like when somebody goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That means, no, I'm not going to do that. But here's the book. It's called The Empire of the Summer Moon. And it's a true nonfiction story about the Comanche Indians in the plains of Texas. And it's fascinating. What a great wow. read. And uh, I'll say it again, The Empire of the Summer Moon, recommended to me by a good friend. And uh, I would suggest that listeners out there give it a try. Fascinating. I, I'm that whole Native American. Uh, it's it's mind blowing. You're going to learn. Yeah. I learned so much because okay. I'm in my little, you know, sort of like you know small-minded world i just thought all the indians were kind of the same you know no, no. it ends up that they're so diverse and these comanches in particular they're basically like the mongols of the steppe region of asia like they're just crazy warrior mounted horse guys that are just next level craziness you yeah. know what i'll tell you one thing that i learned i'll just real quick to give you a little sample is that the Mexican government was like, hey, um, Americans that are on the East Coast, come here to Texas. We will give you land grants. We will give you land. Come and take land and, and develop and, and, and move, move west. And their reasoning behind it was we need a buffer between the Comanche. No way. Yeah. And that's how gnarly the Comanche. Sacrificing them. The Spaniards moved all the way up into New Mexico until the Comanches just said, get the fuck out of here and moved and just kicked their ass. And that's why, that's why Cortez and that whole movement from South America through Mexico didn't continue upwards because the Comanche, they, they encountered the Comanches and went, uh-oh, <laughs> turn well, around and back. 
this is maybe incidental too or tangential, but um, I always thought it was hypocritical when people, you know, woke whoever is like white man stole the land from the Indians. And I never had enough education to actually say definitively, but my thought was the Indians who are the quote Indians, there's dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of tribes warring for decades, stealing land from one another. So the quote, and there's also different tribes of quote white men as well. So it wasn't like white men came and took land from this one people. These people stole it from those people and those people stole it from that people. So how are you focusing all of your ire on the color of someone's skin, by the way, if you're that woke, you know, the quote white man, there's been, it's been stolen over and over and over and over again. So who are you to identify the original settlers of the land? Yeah. Yeah. It's like the hypocrisy. And the Indians Indians hated and warred with the other Indian tribes. Exactly. Exactly. And again, Again, I'm not, I don't know all the details. I'm not smart enough to even understand all the details, but I am smart enough to know that that's an insanely hypocritical statement. And it's also kind of racist to say that thing, you know? Yeah. It's so. just way too simplified. And it's, it's, it just shows ignorance when you, when you put totally. a broad, broad brush on it. Totally. Um, well, Hey, in another sad story and one that we can end on uh, surf and skate prodigy phenom kalani david sadly passed away this past week at the ripe young age of 24 suffered a seizure while surfing in costa rica a massive seizure apparently wow that's horrible i I did hear about this and have seen it play out on instagram and it's just um i don't know what to say other than i i'm i feel sorry for all of his friends and family of course his family and uh, there's just no words can can really you know it's so sad. I mean, Kalani, I've seen Kalani come through Huntington. I feel like with his dad too, I forget his dad's name, but um, from when he was super, super young, maybe 10 years old or something and was like the up and coming right at the top of the heap with any of the 10 year old kind of 12 year old talent and had um, industry backing support sponsors. And it was largely because he was equally as talented skating which I didn't really follow the skate world, but everybody was like, this kid is a full crossover athlete who could be world champ on both sides of the spectrum. Um, so I was always tracking him because of that. And um, I think he spent part of his year, most of his year in Hawaii. And um, so he was surfing big waves, but he was also implementing that skate style into the surf too. So he was doing big airs. And then in his kind of mid teenage years or maybe late teen years um had some health issues and so he kind of fell off the radar i feel like he even stopped surfing for a year or two then he came back and he had grown a ton so he had he wasn't that skinny little kid anymore he had all this muscle and he had unlocked a new dimension in his surfing it was like holy cow at that point though the industry had kind of collapsed so he was more of an underground guy he had all of this industry support when he was young going to be the next big thing disappeared because of health issues, came back, no stickers on his board, but was doing surfing that was equivalent to anybody, you know, with all the stickers, even on the world tour and all that sort of stuff. So um, it's been interesting to watch in these last couple of years, navigate where his place is in both the surf and skate scene. And so this tragedy just came as a complete shock 
And to think that it was um, a seizure while surfing is horrifying. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm sorry to hear that. And um, I'm sure there'll be a paddle out soon uh, at some point for him somewhere. So uh, we'll keep our eyes open for that and announce it when it happens. Yeah. Well, Kalani David, rest in peace, of course. Yeah. All right. Well, look, David, um, great show. Uh, Until next time, adios and aloha.